You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field while hunting deer. All right, on today's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast, I have a buddy of mine, Nate Crick. Nate, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, the reason you're on is because, was it last year, you and your brother, uh, you guys are, are twins, and they put out a whole bunch of good content on YouTube and uh, social media called Identical Draw, and you guys made it a a point and a purpose last year to be mentors to several new hunters out of the course of an entire season. And um, so my first question to you is, why did you decide to to take on that role as a mentor for other hunters? Yeah, um, that's a good question. We get asked it a lot, actually, because um, we didn't really like dabble a ton in it before last year. We always would take out some friends and family, um, but we didn't really t- – I mean, last year was basically complete strangers. Um, and they're kind of like – people kind of noticed, like, holy crap, you just like made – like you didn't just like dabble in it a little bit and then yeah. like continue – you just like went like full on. Yeah, so we took um, – not counting like friends and family, we took like 11 straight up new hunters, strangers, people we had never met before last fall. And um, the main point behind it was simply just to – do our part in getting people involved and just kind of sharing really what we love. Um, and obviously, I mean, if, if you dabble in, in the outdoor space enough, you just hear about, um, like hunter recruitment, retention, all these things. And I mean, I don't think it's a thing that, um, people do enough for. And Thompson and I were just kind of like, how can we have the greatest impact? And I think we were just like, let's just walk the walk and, uh, freaking do it. So, yeah, that was the main reason. We just wanted to um, do our part 
and just spread it as much as possible, man. If we could get just a few individuals fired up and then those people can go home and pass it on to a few more individuals and stuff, then that's that's all we wanted to do. Start that snowball of excitement yep, for, exactly. for new people. All right, so yep. I, I want to get into the people who you mentored here in a second, but mm-hmm. as a mentor right of several people and i mean brand spanking new people who had never uh you know have been hunting before was there any anything that you learned as a a mentor or as a hunter how to a like dumb stuff down because i think one thing that um guys like myself have a problem with we we think we've been doing this for so long we think at a, a different level and it's almost hard to dumb it down sometimes for for a uh, a brand new hunter or talk at a basic level so what are some what are some things that you learned about yourself as a mentor over the last year yeah um that's a good question i i don't know i feel like a lot of it was just slowing the heck down um really like, I don't know, like explaining every piece of things, um, what deer do. And like every, like every hunt started with, um, an explanation of what we are doing. Basically like, this is what we're going after. And this is what, um, this is what that game is doing right now. Um, and so we would go through like that whole process of like, this is how we're going to try to hunt these things. And it kind of like made some things like really clear for me. I don't know, just as far as like, um, just the basic things that I think a lot of people sometimes overlook, um, as if they're like, like Thomas and I, we're going out to do hunts, hopefully kill a big mature buck, film all this stuff. You just, you just forget about those small things. And a lot of it for me was just like, um, like learning about me as a mentor was like, just getting me excited again. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I get super excited when I see a cold front coming up and Thomas and I are going down to our Kansas property to try to kill a big buck. But it, it like, I don't know, re-excited me to like be more motivated to just enjoy the heck out of it and just have fun. And that was the biggest thing that I think I took away and I learned through last fall was just to like, man, slow the heck down, have fun. And I was just trying to be a mentor of like, what did I – love to do what made me like so fired up to make this try to make this like a full-time gig um man i was so young when i started hunting and like what what caught my attention so much and so that's what i was trying to think about when i was taking these people out because if you just like go through the motions and take them on the deer hunt or whatever i mean hopefully they enjoy it and hopefully you have some success but i really was thinking about the things that i loved um growing up and it was just i mean the hunt, hunting was 5% of it. Truly, yeah. it was just having a really fun time with friends and family, making it super enjoyable. Um, of course, having good food, all the stories, and just that camp, that hunting and camping vibe. Um, and so that's really what I, I took out of it. I mean, it's not necessarily like a like hunting skills, mentoring thing, time of that. It was just kind of like the experience that you create as a mentor. Yeah. So and I think that's a great point. Because when I, when I go hunting these days and let's just say I'm by myself, I don't have that, that pre hunt breakdown. Like you Mm. probably did with some of the people you were mentoring. Like there's no point where I stop. I go, the deer are going to be doing this. It's this time of year. 
we're going to do this. I, I kind of just fly by the seat of my pants these days because I've done it so, so many times. But as you stopped and you slowed down, did you feel like you had, whether it was more success or more encounters or more sightings or whatever, did, did it actually help you in the long run? Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I, I think, you know, one thing, um, that I kind of made a point was like when I was taking these people hunting, I didn't care about like, like spooking deer. I didn't care about, um, like having a big buck jump and like spooking that thing out of the County. I didn't care about that. I was just thinking like, where are deer going to be moving? Like, why are they going to be there? And like, where have I seen deer in the past? Cause I'm like, all we need is a doe to show up 20 to 30 yards. And it changed my like mental space of like, Oh man, you gotta, you gotta access here during this time of the day. You have to get super quiet into the tree. Like we're just, we're going to wherever we want to go to possibly get a deer within, within uh, crossbow range is what a lot of these um, new hunters used. And I don't know, it, it made it really simple, but also we had awesome hunts from it. So I think that was one thing it took away. Like, um, I just like, instead of like having all these, this, this to-do list before you go hunting and like for like the perfect hunt, these things need to happen. We just went hunting and yeah. we had on some of the hunts, we, we, some of the hunters encountered like the biggest deer they've ever seen. Um, so that was really fun to see from a hunting standpoint, but also from a mentorship standpoint. Yeah. How, how green were some of these people? I mean, did, did some of them have a little bit of experience? Um, yeah, some of them, it was a mix. Like some of them have been out a couple of times with like, like either a husband or whatever. Um, some of them, like this was like their first outing. Um, we actually, it was interesting cause we found a, uh, kind of like a segment of people who have, um, who, who own archery equipment. Um, and like shot a ton, like I'm talking, some of these people would say, tell us, I mean, they shot like hundreds of arrows a week, but they just didn't have that mentor to like get them out into the field. Yeah. Um, so that was something like, I was like, I guess it didn't pop into my mind that like, there are a lot of intense archers out there that love shooting compound. I mean, recurve, whatever, um, or gun hunters, but we just did the archery side of things. Um, but haven't taken that step into the, the hunting field. Um, mm. so that's something we found. Um, so yeah, some of them had decent archer experience, but like no hunting experience. And then some of them straight up had none of it. Um, and you know, we, we basically treated them the same. We, we, we treated every hunter. Like this was like their first ever experience. Everybody we took out had never killed anything before the hunt. Yeah. Um, so as far as that, that's new. Some of them had been like been on a few hunts before, but a lot of them also hadn't. So yeah, it was a mixed bag. Um, and again, we, we handled it all the same. A few, I would say a few uh, tools that really helped us, like from having like the expert archers to like people that had never shot anything before, um, were these crossbows. Um, thankfully, we work with bear archery, and they were able to hook us up with a few crossbows that these hunters were able to use. And I mean, within a few, I mean, within ten minutes, you could have somebody that's never shot a gun or a bow before putting it on the money in 20, 30 yards, which was, which were that that, that was the range that we were comfortable with a new hunter shooting a deer at so that was super nice it didn't really matter your shooting experience we were able to get you confident shooting yeah that's awesome as you know we're kind of past the the uh prepare your weapon type stage right uh in the year it's hunting season um as you were taking these people out last uh last year and i'm going to talk about in the hunt 
questions that they had mm-hmm. um, from the se- second they step out of the truck or maybe even before the, the hunt for that particular day, uh, during the during the hunt and after the hunt. Any, any questions that popped up as a theme for all of them? Yeah. Um, mm, a lot of them, like I would say the far majority of interest with new hunters with questions was like breaking down an animal. One hundred percent. Okay. I mean, it, it, those questions before, during, and after. I mean, it's just like I think that was the most crucial, hands-on part of any hunt that we had. Um, like, it didn't matter like if only one of three hunters we took out in a weekend killed, because everybody felt like they had like a ton of knowledge from um, watching us like basically butcher an animal that was shot. Um, so I think that was like a huge amount of questions, and then also like. Um, I think a lot of it was just like, what I'm, I'm talking like whitetail hunts here. We did other hunts last year, but with men, with new hunters, but a lot of like people were just like, what do deer do? Yeah. And just like learning the animal. I mean, like you and I, we've, we've spent a lot of time out in the woods, just like watching deer and observing, but somebody that's new to it, they just like, don't know how, like, how does a deer spend its day? Mm-hmm. And so just going through that whole thing. Um, I mean, you got food, you've got like bedding time, you've got time when they're going to be up in their feet traveling. Um, and then you've got, Hey, like during this weather, this can change. Like in November, they're basically, I mean, they could be up in their feet most of the day. Um, but in September it's going to be like, like super like late, like into the night action kind of thing like that. Um, so it was a lot of that. I would say, yeah. I mean, breaking down the meat, what does the animal hunting do? Um, and then they would ask a lot of like, um, I think it was helpful, like a lot of experiences that we had had, yeah. uh, and just kind of filling them on them in on past experiences um, with, hey, we had this deer come in and sh- this doe was at twenty yards and it still ducked my arrow, kind of things like that. Um, we had, I mean, we had people make perfect shots, we had people miss completely. So, like, I, I felt like there were a lot of questions around that, like where to put the arrow, where's shot placement, but. I don't know. There's a lot of things. Definitely like those three main things were um, a lot of questions asked. And um, we, I think that's one big part of like being a mentor is just being a freaking open door for all the questions. Cause that, I, I feel like that was one of the bigger takeaways for right. as last year. Right. Yeah. Are you still in contact with some of the people from last year? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've actually been surprised. I mean, um, that's that's the thing that people do not talk enough about with mentorship. You can create some dang good friends. I mean, we all eleven people that we took out last year. I mean, we have group chats with me and Tom. And we talk to them. Some of them like on a regular basis. Um, so it's it's been awesome. I mean, uh, one of the guys that we took out antelope hunting last year. Um, he's doing some whitetail hunting this year, and I literally had. I mean, we've had 40 minute phone calls on, on X, like he's asking me how to do some scouting, like where should I hang a stand, stuff like that. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's how a mentor should be. I mean, it's not a one weekend type of thing. We tell everybody that we we take out. It's like, Hey, yeah. if you ever have a question, just hit me up. If I'm available, I'll totally hop on the phone with you. But yeah, I mean, last year, one of the things that Thomas and I were most motivated about were people going home and sending us picks of animals they had harvested later in the year awesome. things like that. people going out with buddies i mean like we talked about earlier the snowball effect like it happened way more than i anticipated yeah. i mean people taking out their significant others and doing different hunts like that taking out their kids um 
so all of that yeah the 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 relationships formed were absolutely huge so yeah so let's talk about the the second year or the next level um yeah. as people are you know let's say they maybe have been mentored for a year or two years and now it's time for them to the mentor may not have availability or it's time you know like uh, as my grandpa would say, kick them off the tit and make them, you know, get out, get out by themselves. What, like, what do those conversations look like, especially this time of year as people every single day, more people are heading into the, into the woods or out into the field to, to hunt. And the, now these people are by themselves, right? But they're still in communication with you. What are, are the, are these strategy type questions that they're asking or other types of questions? Yeah, it's a mix. Um, it's it's definitely like um, putting the things that they've learned in like, I mean, a lot of people, they're consuming, um, if they're really getting into it, they're consuming like podcasts or videos as well as being mentored. Um, and I think it's like that after that year break, it's just like putting what you have learned via these outlets in in like in actual hunts. And I think the biggest thing that I just keep telling people that are like kind of in this boat um is just like you have to just go and hunt you just have to go out and learn there's like there, there's really no you can't you can't skip steps to like have success out there you yeah. have to put in time and sometimes it's really hard i mean we we get emails a ton like for uh people wanting us to take them out and they've been hunting for like five years or something three to five years and just like can't get it and it's a thing where it's like it it, it could take a while and it's, it's all about patience, but like simply like you have to put in time out there and continue to absorb information and be a student. The best deer hunters who kill big bucks every year are still students of this craft. And that's why I just try to tell them and keep them motivated because it'll be like a thing, man, I've been hunting deer for like three, the last three falls. And like the first year I had a shot at the buck, missed it. But the last few years I just haven't been seeing deer. And it's basically like, I tell them like, Hey, Spend as much time as you can with work and family life out there, just learning, absorbing, um, whether it's glassing or actually getting in the stand, thinking it's a good spot. And like, basically, as you hunt and you fail and you make mistakes or you you gain, you have some success here and there. You will you will round out this hunting knowledge that that they're trying to gain. But that's the biggest thing. I mean, after a year, you have these tools. I think it's just time to go out there. Whatever time you have. Go out there, put some of these things at the task. Even if you feel like you don't know what you're doing, like yeah. just go out in the woods because you'll you, you will see deer eventually, and you'll see what they're doing, and you'll learn from it. And I, I mean, that's kind of a boring answer, but that's basically what I've been telling people. Yeah. All right. Now let's get into some actual strategy here. Um, yeah. It is, you know, this is going to launch on let's see, the 11th, uh, the 12th, the 13th of October, um, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk specifically about whitetails right now. Yeah. Um, it's maybe someone's first time uh, going out or maybe it's their first time by themselves. What specific advice, knowing what you know, not only about hunting strategy and, and your years of experience, but your experience with uh, you know mentoring as well, what yeah. advice would you give someone right now to increase their odds of shooting a deer? Um, be very proficient with your weapon. Yeah. Uh, it's archery season. 
if you're going out after an archery deer, out like be shooting that bow a lot. Yeah. Whether I don't care if it's a compound recurve crossbow, whatever it is, be shooting that a ton. Based on last year, um, that was the number one thing. If 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 you were confident with that that weapon, your odds go your odds skyrocket. So that's the first thing. Um, as far as like um, the time of the year hunting whitetails, um, I feel like just don't don't get bought in to like it being like a crappy time to try to kill deer um, because it's the fall and it's and it's whitetail season. And I would say any time that you can get out get after those things, just just go out there. Um, I would say um, I would say remember the basics. Remember like think about what the deer are wanting this time of the year, <clears throat> like with the crops changing with some of them getting interested into the, the doe side of things. Um, but it's also like a lot of these people, they're just trying to find a doe that's giving them a broadside shot too. So um, if, if they're going out right now, some just strategy, man, be proficient with your weapon um, and then have the wind in your face. Uh, and I just, that, that's simple as, as that. Find, find a piece of ground, scout it on the maps, hardcore before you head out there. Uh, that's a big thing we did with these people is like, Hey, this is what the the map looks like, and this is what it actually looks like out there. I feel like that is a big thing that can help people during this time of year. But yeah, I would if it's gonna lie, like middle of October. Um, I don't know. It's it's it definitely a tough time to hunt hunt whitetails. But man, if if I've got limited time, I'm just gonna get the wind in my face, be really proficient with my weapon, and I'd probably just be freaking doing a lot of still hunting. Honestly, just just slow walking through um, good cover. Um, maybe on the edge of food sources and stuff where you can kind of get that transition between, uh, some food and timber stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we talked about this in the, in the series leading up to these, uh, these podcasts, but what specific sign would you recommend looking for that deer leave behind, uh, in order to let, you know, people know, Hey, deer have been here, or maybe this is a congregating place for deer to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're heading into the woods to look for one thing to hunt over right now, find scrapes, um, which for people that are new, basically it's going to be basically just open dirt where bucks have gone up to an area and just scraped the, basically the grass or whatever. Maybe it's a field edge, scraped it clear and they will basically leave their, their scent mark on it. Um, and that's, that's like these next few weeks you can, hunt those things and i feel like see a lot of deer and we're basically talking about bucks at this point um does are just i mean they they act differently and there's different signs that probably hunt that um hunt a doe but like as far as buck goes nothing excites me more than a scrape at this time of the year um yeah rub lines where the deer basically rub their antlers against a tree um that's like hey a buck's here and rub lines can be really like helpful and just seeing where these bucks are moving through the timber. Um, but it's not necessarily like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that these bucks will come and hit this rub during a certain time. That's just not how they work. But as far as scrapes go, that's why I kind of recommend for people. Like if the only buck sign you're going to hunt over, I would do scrapes 100% because they will revisit those. Yeah. What's your, uh, are, are you an acorn guy? I mean, there's a lot of people out there who invest a lot of time, uh, scouting for trees like oak trees that drop acorns and this time of year uh, a lot of um, really 
I guess guys who know what they're talking about, hunters, are in the woods trying to find these trees and setting up over an acorn tree. Um, do you do that a lot? How much How much time do you invest into acorns? So just with the like the way I grew up hunting, I like I haven't invested enough time into it. I, like it was something like um, just because of the places I hunted that didn't have a bunch of acorns, like it hasn't been a thing that's been on my radar, but I know it's a thing that like, I know it can be extremely effective. Um, and it's been more of a thing like on the Kansas ground that we have, we have oaks on there and stuff. And it, it has been a part of the hunting strategy right now. Like I don't bet like my hunts on acorns, but it's a thing that if I can add it to like my list of check marks for a great hunting area, it'll, it'll be on the list for sure. But, um, I would say like, like for as far as like how to hunt deer, man, acorns can be a huge, a huge thing this time of year. I mean, you hear about it all the time, freaking guys finding honestly like one good tree that is a high acorn producer and smoking bucks on them. So that's definitely something like if you're not a, a, an extremely patient person this time of the year, doing like some slow stocking um and just finding some of this sign like acorn trees can be super effective but yeah no i wouldn't consider myself a huge acorn guy i'd like to be but just like the way um the hunting ground set up that i grew up hunting and stuff and what i currently have availability to um hasn't really applied yeah yeah and and there that's a, a great point that there are so many different ways and terrains and and vegetations and landscapes to hunt out there not one mm-hmm. not one style or strategy can blanket everything right yeah. um so however there are certain principles that we can take from hunt to hunt to hunt um maybe in reference to this time of year are there any specific principles that uh, that we need to remember or focus on uh, this time of year when heading out. Principles. Um, yeah, I would like. We we're kind of talking about it before the uh, the podcast, and I guess I'll talk like about a few things that will get me excited during this this time of the year to head out to the woods. Um, and that's kind of like what we've had for some weather right around this time, uh, which is rain and then clearing up. And then deer moving big time during this year. Um, Thomas and I, we were, we were hunting last week and we were, and we were driving home. We were just looking at the weather and it's like, man, the temps are just dropping this week and there's some rain in there. And that is something that gets me super jacked up because just because of the timing of the year, bucks and does, they're both going to be like starting to get antsy. And it's, it's time of the year that, that if you see like this, this weather front happening with a little rain that can clear up for an evening or an afternoon hunt, man, get in there. That's one thing there's time to do. That's a huge, like huge check mark for me to possibly have a lot of deer movement. But as far as like principles for somebody that this is maybe one of their first falls, man, I just find, I find, I find good cover and again, always have the wind in your face, um, that, that I think those are those are the easiest things that you can cover right now. If you're looking for sign, um, of course, like we've talked about, acorns, scrapes. I mean, if you put a few of these pieces together, you can easily have a successful fall. So yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you could even boil it down more and just walk someplace with your head down, looking for deer tracks. And uh, there are places in the woods where all these deer trails or these deer tracks 
kind of cross over each other, making kind of an intersection of trails sometimes. And that is one of the things that I used to look for. And, and the reason I used to look for it, because I read it in a magazine article on, I believe it was either Field and Stream or Outdoor Life. I can't remember what magazine it was. And the, the whole article was about um, trail intersections. And then and then I, they showed a little diagram of, hey, the wind blows this way. You have to be on the whatever wind way the wind is blowing. You have to be on the opposite side of that wind so your, your scent doesn't go onto that intersection of trails. And... That's where, that's how I started hunting. I'd look for the tracks, follow the trails, wait till one trail intersects another trail, and that's where I'd set up. And lo and behold, I shot, you know, I shot deer over those places. So um, it can be very simple uh, uh, to get started. And that's what I would recommend is don't overthink all of this stuff. Just get out. And it's like the whole theme that we've, we've talked about in this, in this series is don't overthink it, get out. You're going to fail at some point. You're going to get busted. The deer are going to smell you. They're going to run away. You're going to miss. You know, you're going to move too much and they're going to see you and run away. With that said, be patient, get right back on your horse and get after him again and learn about what you, uh, the mistake you just made and then don't make that mistake again. And, yep. um, uh, I think if guys and gals can do that and just continue learning and absorbing all the all of the information that their surroundings are giving them, it just turns out to be a really, I mean, it's it, it can be really exciting, really fun, and um, and and yeah. So the last yeah, question, go ahead. You guys, I was just like, I would just say don't don't get set in certain ways. Whether you like have like read something or seen something on TV, mm-hmm. like just have an open mind going out into the woods with like sitting in unconventional ways or doing unconventional things. I would say it's just having that open mind. And then with all these, like these things underneath that of like some possibilities of how to increase your odds, but just like don't get set in certain ways. Freaking always be on your feet because truthfully, everybody says that, but all it takes is one deer yep. step in your window. If you put in the time and do these things, you will have, you will have an opportunity. hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Nate, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast and uh, chat with us today. Uh, good luck on all of the, uh, you know, all of the adventures that you have planned for the rest of the year. And thanks for uh, um, educating the listeners today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Hope it was helpful. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com slash Hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, Guide to Successful Deer Hunting ebook, New Hunter sign-up sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, you can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at SportsmansNation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.